Blog Talk Radio. Morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Naja E. Brown, your host, and we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry, and our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime, and you can reach us through our website at yieldtothekingministry.org. Today's episode entitled, Mrs. Job and Unwise Counsel. So Mrs. Job, who is Job in the book of Job's wife, and she was Uh, without a name, so that's the reason why we're calling her Mrs. Job. But here's the promotional material. Let's go ahead and get started. Job is an interesting book in the Bible. Some find the account of Job, unlike God, he allowed Satan to cause his his servant Job to suffer. To the contrary, God accomplishes his divine purpose for the pain and suffering that Job and his family endured. The account of Job's wife, whose name we don't know, indicates She walked alongside her husband until she could bear no more. In the midst of her despair, she suggested that Job curse God and die. Her counsel wasn't the best. She had lost sight of who God is. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. That is the New International Version. So there we have it, Mrs. Job and Unwise Counsel. When the book of Job was written uh, is unknown. We don't know who the author is, but it's nestled in between the book of Esther and the book of Psalms. Some say it's the oldest book in the Bible. It's a long book. There's 42 chapters, and a typical outline would look, the first chapter, the first section of the outline would be prologue and Job's dialogue with his counselors. And then he, Elihu, a friend of his, comes in with a monologue. Then the Lord speaks, and then Job's confession, and then we have the epilogue. But this story, this book, is about the sovereignty of God, the accuser of the brethren, also known as Satan. It's about friendship, suffering, unwise counsel, wealth, loss, repentance, Blessing and Restoration. The theme of the book would be the age-old problem of suffering of the Lord's people. So neither Job, who's just the counselors who charged him with sin, had the solution. They talked about it. They had this dialogue that went back and forth. They talked about it, and they still couldn't figure out. Then another friend named Elihu comes along, and he explained that Job's suffering uh, it was the cause of God chastening him and purifying him. Well, that was a little more elevated understanding that his answer fell short of the answer that God had for Job also. So this 
main characters. There's four main characters. There's God, there's Satan, there's Job, and then there's Mrs. Job. And I just kind of want to do an overview, a synopsis of each of these characters because they all are intricately involved. So God knew Job, his servant, and he gave Satan permission or he allowed Job's suffering, his trials and tribulations to happen. He allowed all of that to befall Job. And in Job chapter 38, God asserts his omnipotence and his sovereignty. And then we've got Satan or Satan. And his entire aim was to prove that Job served God for selfish reasons. He was blessed. He wanted Job to renounce God. That was a pretty serious thing, you know, for Job to have resorted to that. In 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 10, it says, But seek two scoundrels opposite him and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. That's the New International Version. That was pretty serious to, 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 to renounce God, to curse God, right? And Satan is a master of human nature. He's skilled in the strategy of destruction, and he's fully conscious of his most effective weapon. You know, he has many things in his weaponry uh, uh, component, I guess, or compartment, I would say. His weaponry is discouragement and faulty thinking, and that can get us in trouble. Uh, Had Job listened to his wife's advice, the devil's victory would have been completed immediately. It would have been an open door to wreak havoc, for him to wreak havoc emotionally, spiritually, physically, and mentally. His tactic is for us to not know, forget, or not believe who God is. Bottom line, if we lose sight of who God is, then that faulty thinking enters in. And, and then, of course, uh, it, it, you know, he, there's the, the big lie that Satan has, you know, told and continues to tell him that there are no consequences to sin. Uh, but we know that sin has separated us from God and the wages of sin is death, hence the reason that Jesus Christ atoned for our sins. So then the other character is Job himself. So you can't separate each of these. They are intricately involved. God, Satan, Job, and Job's wife. And in Job 1 and 1, this is how he is described. In the land of Uz, the man was Job. This man was blameless and upright. upright. Excuse me. He feared God and shunned evil. So he was a family man. He had a wife, seven sons, and three daughters. He was intensely concerned about the souls of his children. He was compassionate and kind to the poor, wise in counsel to his friends. He was wealthy. He had lots of livestock, sheep, camels, oxen, donkeys, and servants. And Job was tested. He suffered Satan's first assault. The Sabians attacked and stole his livestock and killed his servants. And the attacks continued, and the camels were taken, and the servants were killed. And then a great wind came and blew the house down, and the sons and daughters were killed. And then the second assault resulted in Job being afflicted with sore boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. Just imagine these infected boils probably oozing with infection uh, from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. 
And in the midst of all that pain and suffering and the, and the loss, this is what Job's wife said to him. And we're going to revisit this when we get to her character. But in Job chapter 2, verse 9, she said, do you still hold fast your integrity? God and die. But even in Job's weakness, he had the strength to reject his wife's suggestion quickly and firmly. And his response in Job chapter 2, verse 10 is this. He replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept God for God? From, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this, Job did not sin in what he said. But Job goes on to question God and ends up confessing that he did not understand. He just didn't know. Job's experiences opened his eyes more fully to the ineffable, ineffable holiness of God, leading him thereby to self-knowledge and self-judgment. And this is what he says in Job chapter 2 at the very end of the book, Job chapter 42, verses 4 through 6. Verse 4 says, you said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer me. Verse 5, it says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. And then verse 6 says, therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. So the sufferings of Job are shown to be corrective rather than penal, being used of God to test and refine his character. And through it all, God, Job still showed his heart for God. But now we come to the character of Job's wife. Some would say, I don't her a bad rap, really. I don't want to give her a bad rap. I just want us to, 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 to you know, be aware of the story, and then really the personal application is for us. So I'm not pointing a finger at her like she's this horrible, horrible wife, but there's some, some lessons that we can glean and learn from her story. Very, very short account of who she is. But some would say that she was Satan's helper because, you know, he works through people. So the fact that she asked her husband, do you still hold fast your integrity, God and die, in Job 2 and 9, why why would she say that? Well, I I think that she lost sight of what and who God is. Her her situation had become unbearable. Uh, We know that later she she comes back to Job and pleads for him to allow her to go to the rubble where the wind came and blew down the house and all the kids died. The rubble of the palace, she wanted to go and recover the dead bodies of the children. And Job tells her that they must be left. And he takes herself off to lie among the cattle where she dies. And it's only after her death that she receives the honor as the city uh, laments her death. So it wasn't like she was unknown. After all, she was the wife of a very wealthy man, someone who was very well known and was honored in, in, in where, where he was. But what happened to Mrs. Job? Well, I, I think that Satan's most effective weapon was able to get to her and discouraged her. Uh, she was discouraged, uh, rightfully so. She was also heartbroken. Uh, she was burdened with sorrow and beset with heartache, having lost her children and property. Uh, she still, though, 
however, had a responsibility to remain faithful to the Lord even in the in in her adversity. And that that's a applicable lesson for us today. She was a little short-sighted. She missed her opportunity to be used, and she became the companion of the accuser. So not only was Job under attack, but now he's hearing it from a wife, his wife. Why are you holding fast to your integrity? Forget this. Just curse God and die. I mean, this is not, you know, in other words, this is sort of ridiculous. You've got boils, sore boils on your, the crown of your head all the way to the soles of your feet, and you're still holding fast to your integrity. Well, a little, little short-sighted, and then her folly, her foolishness had kind of gotten the best of her. And the power of the tongue is no joke. You can build or you can tear down. There's life and death. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat, of, eat its fruit. And then that faulty thinking, her assumption that doesn't pay for God. In other words, where's the benefit if you're suffering? And that's exactly what Satan was saying, was that Job only serves God because of the benefits. He's reaping the, bit, the, the blessing. And then chastening. God will chasten those who belong to him. And life on earth is a never-ending pruning and refining process for us all. So in conclusion, when we are suffering, what proceeds out of our mouth? What type of counsel do we provide? Remember, Satan considered Job God's servant because he felt God had put a hedge of protection around him and that Job only served God because he reaped God's blessings. As we reflect on Job's suffering, the outcome demonstrates that by God's grace, his people trust and serve because of who and what he is, not for the return of temporal benefit. The story of Job and his wife is reason for us to pause. Well, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for prosperity and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And that is the episode today. And I'll say, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. God bless you.